0: Hello and welcome to the Medical Sciences Division podcast, stimulating stories of science from the Medical Sciences Division at the University of Oxford. I'm Karim Piekema. In this episode, we go viral and look down the microscope with researchers trying to outwit and even befriend one of our oldest foes.
1: They are incredibly neat in the range of tricks they have to make our own cells do things that the cells didn't know they were meant to do. I'm Sandy Douglas. I'm an infectious disease doctor in training and I also work on vaccine research at the Jenner Institute in the University of Oxford.
0: Sandy is one of the many researchers in the university who devote their time to finding ways to fight deadly and debilitating viruses.
1: I've been interested in bugs and infectious diseases since I was a a child, really. The thing that sticks in my mind is is learning about the plague when I was a small child. It's a bacteria, it's not a virus, and I was terrified about it, and then I remember there was an Ebola outbreak in, I think, the Congo, I got quite interested in that as well. You could argue that Virtually any virus is is clever, and from the virus's point of view, what it needs to do is survive in the population and be transmitted from one infected animal to another and, and keep on doing that.
0: One virus that has played this trick successfully for thousands of years is
2: rabies. It's an intriguing virus because we don't know how it works. I'm Mary Worrell. I am a clinical virologist, with an interest in tropical virology. I'm currently at the Oxford Vaccine Group as an honorary member of the department. The most outstanding unique feature is that the dog rabies virus has been universally fatal in man, 100% mortality. And yet the prophylaxis, if absolutely correct, has provided 100% effective protection against disease.
0: Most rabies infections in humans are caused by rabid
2: dogs. Rabies virus is inoculated under the skin during a bite. The virus enters a nerve ending and ascends in a nerve towards the central nervous system where viral replication occurs and the onset of symptoms begins. What happens to the virus between the inoculation in a wound and entering the nerve isn't certain, but it is possible that a limited amount of replication or the virus at least is staying in the muscle a little while before entering the nerve. Many
0: infections kill their host cells pretty rapidly,
2: but not rabies. Once the virus has infected a neuron, The nerve cell does not die as it does in many other infections but the metabolism is altered and the gene expression changes and during the long incubation period between the inoculation of the virus and the onset of symptoms the virus is hiding within the nerves and therefore there's no specific anti-rabies immunity generated but it permits the transmission to the neighbouring nerve cells and so it can spread within the nervous system and it spreads to the nervous system and then from the nervous system in nerves, but different nerves.
0: For a long time, treatment consisted of thoroughly cleaning and sometimes burning the wound to kill the virus. Then, in the 1880s, Louis Pasteur made a breakthrough that also hailed a new era for vaccine research.
1: He and a colleague grew the virus in rabbits and then dried out the rabbits' nerves, which were infected with the rabies virus, to weaken the virus. They tested it in dogs, I believe, initially, and then they needed to test it in people. The first person in whom it was tested was a boy who'd been badly bitten by a, a rabid dog. And Pasteur gave his experimental vaccine to the boy and the boy survived. More modern, safer rabies vaccines, and by more modern I really mean dating from the, the middle of the 20th century, still decades old... Uh, There are rabies viruses grown in cell culture and then chemically inactivated. So the virus is thoroughly killed and it's purified away from all the cell culture. So there's no nerve tissue involved. And then that's used as the vaccine.
0: While this type of approach has defined the field for many decades, Sandy is hoping to test a surprising new strategy. He is fighting rabies by exploiting the poise of another virus. He uses an adenovirus that generally causes colds and gastroenteritis.
1: This particular adenovirus has been crippled. It can infect cells, but it doesn't have the ability to multiply inside the human cells. And instead of the genes which it would need to multiply, we've put in a gene for the surface protein of rabies. What that means is that after the adenovirus enters your cells after you're vaccinated the cells will express just that one surface part of the rabies virus that's not enough to cause any disease at all it's missing everything else about the rabies virus Uh, but it does just show your immune system that little surface part of the rabies virus and that makes your immune system produce antibodies against that surface protein The amazing thing about virus life cycles is that they have so many tricks to multiply within human cells and importantly they have to get all their genetic material into a very short space. As a result of that they've evolved to make that space efficient and they have to find ways of subverting the human immune response. Anything that's evolved to interact with human tissue to subvert mammalian cells, well, potentially we can turn those subversive tools to our own uses.
3: I don't think it would be an overstatement to say that the use of viruses in neuroscience has revolutionised this research.
0: Natalie Doik is a postdoctoral research fellow at the MRC Brain Network Dynamics Unit here at Oxford. She uses modified viruses to learn more
3: about the intricate workings of the brain. In nature, by design, viruses they express proteins to allow them to enter specific types of cells. They take over the machinery in that cell to produce their own proteins from the genetic material that they have inside them and then this allows them to replicate.
0: As their knowledge advances Natalie and other researchers are able to use this tool to get an increasingly fine-grained understanding of how the brain is
3: wired up. How this is relevant for us is we can put genetic material into those viruses that we want expressed in specific populations of neurons. So the more we know about the genetics of the nervous system and we know about the proteins that are expressed by different groups of neurons. We can harness that information and we can use the viruses to then target specific populations of neurons in the nervous system and force those neurons to produce the proteins based on the genes that we want them to produce. Natalie works in the team
0: of Peter McGill.
4: I'm Peter McGill and I am an MRC program leader at the MRC Brain Network Dynamics Unit at the University of Oxford. The overall goal of our research is to understand how um, a part of the brain called the basal ganglia is organised to support normal and impaired behaviours. And within that we have lots of different research questions, for example, how are the nerve cells of the basal ganglia connected, how are they organised in time, in the way they generate electrical activity, and how do they support in particular movement. And as part of that we want to understand what goes wrong in these brain circuits in disease. So it can be the case where certain connections are lost in disease. For example, um, connections that use the chemical messenger dopamine are lost in Parkinson's. And that leads to many of the movement difficulties experienced by people with Parkinson's. And so we can not only map the connections that are missing, but perhaps the new connections that are made in the brain to compensate or adapt to the disease process.
0: Harnessing the different tricks of diverse viruses makes them an invaluable tool for the team.
4: One virus might be better suited to mapping the connections between brain cells. Another virus might be better suited to delivering genes that we can then use to turn off and on the nerve cells. Three viruses we make use of quite frequently are something called adeno-associated viruses, canine adenoviruses and rhabdoviruses, specifically modified rabies viruses.
0: As Mary explained earlier, one surprising property of naturally occurring rabies is that it travels from muscle to nerve to spinal cord to brain. Conveniently, this feature is exactly what Natalie
3: needs to do her research. This is actually the opposite direction from the information that's required to move a muscle. So the signal goes from the brain into the spinal cord, and then into the muscle. So rabies goes backwards, and we are harnessing that feature. While rabies
0: has been feared in many communities for centuries, there is no such worry in the
3: MRC unit. We're using um, a modified form of the virus that is safe by design, because it's had one of its genes removed. So it cannot produce a protein that allows it to access Cells We control which cells it's allowed to access using the genetics of those neurons in the brain. And then the rabies can only replicate and take over the machinery of the neuron if we have targeted those neurons. Natalie is trying to
0: unravel how information is passed between intermingled cell types in the basal ganglia she uses a modified rabies virus which she injects into a rodent brain to cause infected cells to glow green. The images she produces look stunning, but more importantly, they provide new and exciting insights into the intricate anatomy of this brain region.
3: When I look at the brain, I know where my starting population of cells is, and then throughout the brain I can see in green all the neurons in the brain that project to that first population that I'm interested in looking at, which without the use of this virus was not possible. And if we understand the connectivity of this network better, it may give us more therapeutic targets in Parkinson's disease or allow you to have finer control of the network.
4: The most effective interventions that one can use as therapies in disease are those that are based on a firm rationale. We study the functions of nerve cells in the normal brain and we also study the functions of nerve cells in disease models. By comparing the two, we can determine what's gone wrong in disease and that mature understanding of how nerve cells work together allows us to determine how best to correct any disturbed function in those circuits.
0: Decades of research have been spent trying to find innovative ways to fight back against viruses. These skirmishes are far from over, as the work of Sandy, Mary and many others in the university proves. Yet, at the same time, we are also entering a new era where scientists such as Natalie and Peter are increasingly able to turn the virus's cunning tricks to their own advantage in ever more sophisticated ways.
4: The variety of viruses that can be used as tools and the technologies associated with that is really going forward at a terrific pace, particularly in neuroscience we are using the rabies virus to express only a fluorescent protein that allows us to map the connections to neurons. Of course, there are variations on that tool in which instead of just using a fluorescent protein, you can express different proteins from the rabies virus that allow us to turn off and on, at will, certain cells. And so, now then, we're using the tools not just to map the connections to neurons, but the functions of the neurons providing those connections. That's a huge leap forward. So ultimately, one then might be able to use viruses to map out a set of connections, turn off and on the neurons that make those connections, If we understand how those nerve cells have gone awry in disease, we could potentially then interact with those nerve cells to correct that disturbed function. It's blue sky research. It will take some time to develop, but I think the promise is there.
0: Going Viral was produced and presented at the University of Oxford by me, Karine Pikema, with production help from Alison Brindle, Tom Carver, Naomi Gibson, Jacqueline Pumphrey, and Mark Walton. If you'd like to get in touch and let us know what you thought about this episode, tweet us at Oxford Sci, hashtag pod.